This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to our podcast. It's Chris and Lucas. Oh, Chris is the other person not talking right now. And I'm Lucas, of course. And uh, know your eye tonight, though. Uh, his dog, Benny, is not doing great, so we wish Benny the best of luck. Indeed, indeed we do. Um, of course, we are here to talk about the Sixers and their recent games. We're going to start off with the Pistons game. We are recording directly after it on Thursday evening. Um, a victory for the Sixers. They advanced to 3-2 and two on the season. Your final score is 110-102. to 102. So it looks nice and peachy on the surface. But for those of us who watched the game, Lucas, it was not quite the greatest experience of all time, I would say. Um, a bit more stressful than it needed to be. It was neck and neck for most of the first half. The Sixers were up only six points at halftime. Pulled out to a 20-plus point lead at one point in the second half. And then didn't score a field goal for the last six minutes until Joel hit a three with about 10 seconds left. Detroit went on like a 24 to seven run, made it a two possession ball game and made us all sweat it out because they're the Sixers. And that's how these things tend to go. But for you, Lucas, what were some of your uh, big takeaways with the starters? How do you think that group played? Well, let's uh, obviously best Joel game of the season so far. 30 points, 18 rebounds, 3 of 15 from the foul line. I mean, not 3 of 15, sorry. 13 of 15 from the foul line. Um, like you said, had that dagger 3 at the end. I mean, just if this is what we're used to. Joel starting to, I think his knee starting to feel a little bit better. He had a rough couple of games because of that, that his knee got banged up in the first game. But I think we're starting to see him getting a lot healthier. So with Maxi, this was his best game yet. He had uh, 16 points, six rebounds, six assists, only two turnovers, and four uh, no four turnovers and plus two blocks. So this is easily his best game. Seth Curry had a, a efficient but quiet night shooting, 12 points, only two three point attempts, uh, and seven attempts total. Very bad game from Danny Green. No field goal made. Uh, I mean, on offense, defensively he was fine. Two steals, two blocks, but zero, you know, contributions on offense. And Tobias Harris, not the best game, but not the worst game. Seventeen points, six rebounds, one assist, two blocks. Good field goal percentage, but bad three point percentage. Um, Chris, any takeaways for you on this in particular? Uh, yeah, no, I think you pretty much nailed it. Best Joel game so far, pretty much the best Tyrese game so far. And I think what would be worrying about that is that the Sixers still played a pretty close game for the first half and then almost collapsed again at the end, despite that fact. Um, that That's pretty worrisome. This Detroit team is not a great team. They are now 0-4, I believe. No Cade Cunningham yet, so they aren't even at full strength. Obviously, they compete hard. They have Jeremy Grant, Kelly Olenek, some pretty good players out there. But this is a bad, bad Pistons team. They aren't going to win a lot of games this season, especially not without Cade out there. And the Sixers almost blew it at home, Brooklyn style. Again, at home in front of the fans, again, that's two consecutive like home collapses which is just which is not what we're used to seeing from philly normally this stuff happens on the road mm-hmm. but 
it, it just has not been a very pretty offensive start to the season for the Sixers. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, some real problems with how things are flowing um, for a variety of factors. But Joel played great. You mentioned the knee. We're going to talk about that later, too. Easily the best he's looked physically all season. Uh, I, I, I'm a little worried about Danny Green. I'm not panicking. I'm still... It, is your hand hovering over the button yet? Not I, I on mean, it, I, but is it hovering? Not in the sense, like, like what are what are they going to do? Like, you... I mean, you could try Thibel. You could, you no, could try Thibel. Thibel's been worse offensively than Danny. Not this game. Not this game. <laughs> Uh, Thibel was not very good this game. He had uh he he had five he had points his, on he had three, but five he, points isn't gonna break the season. Um no, but three steals is pretty good. I don't know. I'd take five Danny three point attempts over one Matisse Thibel attempt personally. Okay, fair enough. But uh, I and I, you bring up the home game stretch prior to this 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 season. The Sixers have been pretty one of the best home teams in the NBA in the past like three to five seasons. So it's definitely an interesting trend to definitely keep an eye on. Usually home court advantage is really strong for the Sixers. It has not been the case so far this season. Um, but yeah, no, I just wanted to add on that little point. Yeah. So, Lucas, what did you think about the bench? I don't want you to talk about you-know-who yet because I want to read out <laughs> Uriah's little flourish here. Okay, I, I, will say, you know I will say... What did you think about the bench? Well, I'll just say I love you-know-who, but his game, he had a great game. But for everybody else, George's Niang had a pretty solid game, pretty efficient shooting, eight points, two rebounds, one assist. That's usually what we can expect expect from Niang at this point. I, I had nothing to complain about him. Thibault had an efficient game offensively. Not impactful, but efficient. Three steals. Another good defensive game. Though, it should be noted, he did have the worst plus-minus on the court for minus 12. And then Korkmaz, he had an efficient game. I think it's good that he doesn't have to hey, be the primary hey, plot. Yeah. Lucas. Matisse had a, a minus 12. Do you want to know who was tied for the best plus minus on the team at plus 19? Okay. Yeah, I already know. Okay. okay. Anyway. <laughs> uh, anyway, I was on Korkmaz. Yeah, that's right. I was talking about Korkmaz. You're right. So anyway, Korkmaz obviously can benefit being off the ball a little bit more. And okay, Chris, you can talk about you know who now. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna just say this first. I, it seems to me like George's Niang is like, Easily the best player on the bench, or right there with Furkan right now. Like if we, if we're redoing the Sixer like player rankings from before the season, I don't think Niang mm -hmm. is at where was he eight or nine? I think he was I nine. He, I, yeah, I don't think. And Corkmaz was ten, wasn't he? I, I think they were both eight and nine somewhere. Uh, yeah. Or well, yeah, no, maybe Niang was ten. Um, I don't think he's ten again if we do it. I think in terms of importance to this bench, I'm not going to say he's the best player because obviously most overall skilled, I will still say is Drummond off the bench. But in terms of importance to this bench unit, I think Niang is clearly one of the most important players. Him and Korkmaz are clearly the two most important players because they play the biggest roles and they have the biggest impact on the offense. Both of us were big fans, you especially, but I think he has exceeded even our expectations. 
He is not only an upgrade over Mike Scott, he's an upgrade over several other players in that rotation. Great game from him again. Quiet, you know, eight points, three or six from the field. Not super explosive, but he continues just to play really solid basketball. And I, I will just quote Uriah from the uh, agenda now. He's not with us on the pod, but he's with us in spirit. He wrote, quote, what do we make of the return of the Sixers' goat, Shake Milton? Obviously, a, a bit of a dig aimed at me, I think, though I, I don't know why. It would <laughs> you don't know why? You don't know why? I, I want nothing but the best for Shake Milton. I have no ill will towards him. I do not want him to fail. I. But you have said multiple times he sucks. Uh, all right. There was, that was a... Uh, did I you not? About. Um, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> look, you pleading the fifth on this one? Look, I'm not an overreact to one game type of person. He had 13 points, five assists in 16 minutes. Really strong return from him. Obviously missed the first four games due to an ankle injury. Uh, good chance he's in the starting five sooner than later. Seems like we're trending in that direction. Doc Rivers has said that he's gonna he's gonna mix up the starting five, and he prefers Maxi with that second unit. Yeah, so it, it's a very thinly veiled. We're gonna start Shake soon. Comment. Uh, what What are your thoughts on Shake? I mean, if he has, uh, let's just say this is like his average stat line. He, you know, he hits between one to two, uh, one to two threes a game on three or four attempts a game, and then you know, solid efficiency overall. Five assists. If he keeps the five assists up and the turnovers low, which we saw glimpses of that in the preseason before the injury, and you know, let's just say he's average. Wait, I mean, no. Did we? Yeah. Glimpses? Yeah. No. Look at look at the stats. Go look at the stats. Here, I will pull it up for you. I I don't need you to pull it up. I I, I get it. Okay. My point. My point is is that as long as he can average around, it, like basically, if he was more efficient last year. I don't think anybody would have been complaining, but he wasn't, but hopefully he is. His playmaking looks better based off this one game. We'll have to wait and see, but, you know, there's a good chance he really worked on that this summer, and if he did, creating for others is going to open up stuff for himself as well. So I think it's a win-win that way. And I wrote about it the other day how I think it would be better for the Sixers to have shake in the starting lineup, because here's the thing. Who's the better playmaker? Probably Maxi at this point, but it's, it can be argued. But, but the point is, is that shake Milton doesn't, you know, he's a combo guard. You have other playmakers in the starting five, like Joel and Tobias and even Curry a little bit, like you said in the past, you put Maxi with that second unit. Maxi can be Maxi without having to worry about getting everybody involved. And, Milton can, you know, bring up the ball, you know, dribble up the ball and not like and move the ball well enough, but also not need the ball in his hands to be the most effective version of himself. He can spot up and shoot. That's that's so that's an okay part of Milton's game. And I think that that works fine in the starting five. Look, I, I, I agree that Maxie's better with the second unit. I don't think he's a starting point guard yet. Um, if Shake is a 66% three-point shooter all year, then yes. Um, <laughs> well, let's no, just say he's 40%, Shake, though. If Shake if he's gets 40%. it back up to, like, 40%, and he's playing more efficient basketball, and he's being a bit smarter with how he plays, then, like, sure, he, he'll earn his spot, and that makes a lot of sense. I, I still think you can stagger 
Maxi and the starters and not have to play shake a bunch. I, I don't think two and a half games was a long enough trial for Isaiah Joe, frankly. I know he wasn't very good, but it was two and a half games. Uh, I, I pretty low minutes, too. Like, he wasn't getting a lot of run. Yeah, I, I think he should have gotten more of an opportunity. I think it's very clearly like a comfort thing for Joe. He was just more hesitant than he normally is. If you and he's not getting anybody to set him up either. He's not getting anybody to set him up. I mean, if yeah. you're hoping for Cork Maz to set you up there, like I like Cork Maz as, you know, I like point Cork, but like that, that's not your ideal situation for a spot up guy like Joe. Yeah. Look, I, I'm pretty confident personally that Isaiah Joe's probably the better NBA player still. This one game doesn't change my opinion, but Shake's going to get every opportunity to prove me wrong. Uh, if he can get back to the form that we saw when he replaced Al Horford, then great. He's going to earn his minutes. He's going to help a lot. I'm a little bit skeptical still, but this was a good game from him. Again, 5 of 10 from the field, 13 points in just 16 minutes. Had a good a, a debut as you could have hoped from hoped for from him. So nothing to complain about uh, from me. We're going to talk about the, the loss to the New York Knicks. And not only was it a loss, Chris, it was a bad loss. Mm-hmm. Halfway through the second quarter, I just, I, I still watched the game, but I was not interested in it. Like it just, it was horrendous basketball by the Sixers. Chris, what, what do you think went wrong in this game for the franchise? Um, everything. Uh, yeah. Tobias had a good game. Like maybe Tobias's best game of the season. I'm not going to say that says something about Tobias because it doesn't. Uh, but I don't know why I even put that out there. It doesn't say anything about Tobias. Tobias is lovely. Um, yeah, Joel's worst game by far. Easily the game in which his knee injury was most apparent. Where mm-hmm. it really took center stage. Just could not consistently get inside and get good position. Was taking a lot of contested jumpers. Didn't have his legs under him. The Sixers offense has, as we're going to talk about more in depth in a second here, not really been that good this season. There's a level of just shooting variance in this game where the Knicks hit a whole bunch of threes and the Sixers couldn't get anything to fall. But generally speaking, the offensive execution was not good. The Knicks are a really good defensive team. They gave the Sixers the business. They were more physical. They won the 50-50 battles. Uh, so they deserve a ton of credit there. This is clearly an improved Knicks team. Like, they're for real. They're going to be in the playoffs again this year. They might be, a, you know, they might have home court advantage again. Uh, it's it's a little early to say, like, top two or three seed, but they're going to be a good regular season team. We'll see what happens in the postseason. Tibbs is uh, not the greatest postseason coach of all time, but they're going to be a topic for the regular season. <laughs> Aside from Joel, though, Danny hit some shots finally. That's about the only other positive I can think of. Uh, I'll say this is his best game, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, and it really didn't matter. Uh, Maxi, not great. Seth, very quiet. Furkan's worst game, nine points on 12 shots. Matisse did Matisse things, but, you know, Niang had a good game. But, I mean, they just got walloped pretty much from the jump. Uh, the Knicks uh-huh. looked like a much better team. Like it was clear, New York was just a better basketball team. I think that's like the case right now, mm-hmm. based on what we've seen through four or five games. 
and it's only four or five games, but New York seems like the better team. They look like much more of a contender, quote-unquote, than the Sixers did. So mm. that, that was my main takeaway. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Let me, let me say a few things, give uh, New York a couple uh, credit here. One, Kevin Walker always likes to show up against the Sixers. We know that he had 19 points on 15 shots, but so pretty good efficiency. They had good bench production, good starter production. Like and Mitchell Robinson, you know, he might have had five fouls, but those were really he, – he played Joel pretty good. I mean, despite Joel being injured. You basically hit the nail on the head with most of these Sixers players. I don't really need to go into – how they looked as, you know, individuals. New York is not a joke. I mean, I know, don't react to one game at the beginning of the season, but, and I know Joel was hurt, but still, like, even if Joel, I mean, granted, it was, what, a 13-point game at the end, but, like, this was a really hard game. Like, I just, I don't feel good about it, man. I don't. Like, even if Joel wasn't injured, I still don't think we win this game. Yeah, no, look, this the Sixers are 3-2, and two, and I, I don't feel good about it at all. It's like, not it's a good 3-2. and two. It's, it's not a, a good 3. An extremely underwhelming 3-2. We, we three played wins, the three, three... Three wins against very bad teams. Yeah, the Bottom, arguably the three the worst league. teams in the... Yeah, arguably the three worst teams in the league, yeah. Yeah. With Zion, then, Zionless Pelicans, Thunder, who going to be in a rebuild for a while and the the pistons who were missing the number one overall pick yeah like this is we should not feel good about ourselves guys but we'll get into we're gonna get there chris yeah i mean and then losses to brooklyn who i'm pretty sure were the only team they've beaten so far because the sixers just could not score in the last five no you're right there brooklyn is still uh only one win, I think. Yeah, so that doesn't even feel like a an admirable loss. Um, mm-hmm. And then they lose to New York, who, like, Uriah said in the agenda, how legit do we think the Knicks are? Looks like the Knicks are better than the Sixers right now. We'll see if that they, changes. They, they do. Uh, if Ben comes back, I think that changes. But the Knicks, Knicks have a ton of depth. They have fixed the lack of perimeter scoring. They have Derrick Rose, Kimball Walker, Evan Fournier. RJ Barrett looks like he's taking a step forward. I, I do. Julius Randle looks better I as a decision Julius maker, as like a number one option. But he's that's not. Just a deep, that's a deep, well-rounded team with a great regular season coach. They're going to defend the hell out of the ball. That's a really good team. They're going to mm-hmm. win a lot of games. Um, the, the the only thing with New York is is Tom Thibodeau going to run those guys into the ground before the playoffs. Because he's done it with Bulls teams in the past, and he did yeah. it with the Knicks last year. Like that's that's the only problem. Yeah, look, Knicks are not going to win the East. I I I I agree. I feel Thibodeau good about that. Not, yeah, Thibodeau is not a playoff coach. Um, but but look, could they get a top four seed in the team East? Oh, they will. I think they maybe. Will. I, I, I think they, 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 two or three. I, I think I, I don't I, I don't I well I don't know about that but I I think top four top five is definitely doable for them I didn't I mean if you asked me before the season no but the Sixers don't look great the Celtics don't look great well the, look Hawks the, not not exactly world beaters so far Nets struggling out of the gates Milwaukee lost to Minnesota but, well like, the okay the Milwaukee's without two of their start two I, I know but like like the Knicks if they start if they stay healthy. Surprised. 
if they stay healthy, even if they don't, because like they have quality depth. Let's just say, for example, either Kemba or Derrick Rose goes down for a month or so. They still have quickly. They still have McBride. Like they they have quality guard depth. And I know McBride was a second round pick, but this kid looked like fire in the summer league. Like they have depth. Quality, like when was the last time we could say that the Knicks had quality depth like this? Not even in Mello's run, what they had the what sixty wins or fifty four wins, whatever that whatever it was, mm-hmm. back in like two thousand. Like we can't. These Knicks look good. Now postseason is a completely different monster, but during the regular season, top four seed totally, totally in my. I think that's totally possible. I don't know about top two or three, but top four or five totally possible they could get home court yeah no i i mean they were home court last year so i i i think i think everybody expected them to take a step back but they just kept on going which credit to tom thibodeau big clash in the pan energy and that just does not seem to be the case um so of course naturally at yeah. One point, the Knicks fans were chanting, "Where's Hold Ben up, Simmons?" Hold up, Chris, 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 you're taking over my thing, man. This is my section. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're good. You're good. I was just like, "What? Are, what are you doing, man? You're stealing my thunder." But as Chris was saying, yeah, the the uh, at one point during the game, the the New York fans, of course, wanted to troll Ben, and they were asking, "Where's Ben Simmons?" Will this be a pattern, Chris, in every opponent's arena? Because we've already seen it in a couple other arenas. Do you think this is a normal thing that's going to happen until Ben shows his face in a jersey again? Yeah, I mean, it's it's yes, because it's a stupid and unoriginal chant. So it'll pop up everywhere. Um, it'll probably pop up in the Sixers stadium, frankly. We're getting variations on it. It seems like well, okay, but we can't uh, say the version that they're saying in the Sixers. Look, I mean, at Wells Fargo. I mean, they said it at the Wings game, was it? And yeah, no, we can't say that on this podcast, not without getting bleeped out anyway. Yeah, look, I, I mean, yes, people are gonna keep changing it. I, I don't really have much more to say about it. I, I think it's clear the Sixers uh, miss Ben Simmons, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to keep hearing it. I, I don't think it's like some revolutionary great chant that's going to alter the trajectory of the Sixers season or anything. It's pretty stupid, which is what most chants are. And we're, I don't know. That's all I have to say about it. Yeah, yeah, I think we're just going to keep on seeing it. And even after he gets there, there's going to be some sort of different chant. Or maybe it's the same chant, especially if he misses free throws. Who knows? Um but yeah, that's. The, I mean, we don't really need to beat that that dead horse. We don't. This is probably not going to be a Ben Simmons heavy um, podcast, which is nice. So uh, I think we're done with this. It's, I mean, I don't think we have anything else Ben Simmons wise, not directly related, right? I wouldn't. I wouldn't count on it. We're gonna talk about the Sixers' recent struggles. As we said, they are three and two, and. No one, I think, in Philly is happy about it. And just really, like, if you look at the upcoming schedule, I don't have it in front of me, but they have a stretch in November where they have, like, 10 out of 12 on the road. They have some tougher matchups coming up. Assuming Ben is not back, it's a pretty tough look. Like, I I don't know if we're going to have 
a lot to cheer for over the next few weeks. I'm hopeful that's not the case and that Joel gets back into form and that the Sixers figure it out. But there's some reason for concern, I would say. I'll read off just a couple of the numbers here. The Sixers are near the bottom of the league in offensive pace. They're outside the top 10 in points per game right now. They're 14th, and they're outside the top 10 in opponents' point per game at 12th. Not exactly indicative of a true contender. They're like a fine average team, but two home collapses, some real red flags, Lucas. What do you think needs to change in order to turn things around? I mean, the the obvious answer would be either for Ben Simmons to get back or trade him. So to bring in somebody that that's 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 all I'm going to say about it. Like, I mean, outside of that, I don't really know what else you can change. You you don't really want to shake up the starting five, except for maybe putting shake in there and switch now maxi. That's that's really the only move you could make. I mean, yes, stagger the, the bench and the starting five a little bit more. But I mean, outside of that. I mean, what else can you do besides trade men? Like, I mean, off like the offensive system is sound for the, you know, the the players that you do have. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, what else can you do? Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, it's a Ben Simmons problem. Like, some of us were holding out hope that Sixers would magically like look better and everything would loosen up. And the wheels would start turning in new and exciting ways. And that's not the case. Uh, Ben Simmons is an all-star. He's the only good passer on the roster. (laughs) Maybe not true anymore. Like, Niang can can throw some cool stuff. And Drummond can dip into his bag. But the only plus-plus passer on this team is Ben Simmons. And he's not in the rotation right now. Um, they're also missing him on defense. Uh, the defense has looked okay the past few games. I'm, I'm not super worried about it, but once they start playing better teams with multiple high-level creators on the perimeter, it, it might become more of an issue. As you said, Kimba did what he normally does and, and torched them. Like That's something they'll run into every now and then. Uh, yeah, but like beyond Ben Simmons, like the offense just is not creating a ton of good looks right now. It's a roster thing, 100%, but also, like, you would like to see more from Doc, I think. Um, you asked before the pod if I'm going to, like, double down on my Doc is bad take. Uh, and, you know, he's just not a great coach. I, I don't I don't think he's helping the Sixers much. Um, I don't think he's doing much to try new things and to put these players in different situations. It would obviously be ideal for him to just have a better, more well-rounded and more talented rotation but that not being the case i think you need more out of him um joel's knee which we'll talk about i'll I'll just bring it up now ramona shelburne reported that Embiid couldn't walk for two days after the pelicans game which was the season opener we all know that Embiid knocked knees with Jonas valanchunas and has been listed as questionable in every game since we've talked about the knee not looking right his conditioning not looking great um that has been a part of it. When your best player is hurt and your second best player is not playing, you're just not going to look very good. But I think there are a lot of issues. I think the pace is an issue. I, th- I think not having a good point guard on the roster is an issue. There's a lot of problems. Uh, but Lucas, as as far as Embiid goes, 
do you think we need to like send him out for a game or two? Uh, do you think he's just going to work his way back to it again tonight, Thursday? Looked pretty good. Looked as, as good as he has since that Pelicans game. But do you think they need to sit him? Just be precautious. Uh, well, before before I answer that, you brought up Doc Rivers being bad. Let me just ask you this, Chris. Who would you replace him with right now? What head coach is available? That um, he's he's looking like he's done coaching. He's a special advisor for the Hornets now. So that's, that's anybody cool. else. Any anybody else? I, I don't know, Lucas. I okay, don't okay. Have the list of available coaches ahead of me. Okay, I'm just I'm just saying, like bench there. Uh, uh, hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm sure there are guys out there. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like, let's let's always think who can we get versus you know who we have. Look, Doc um, seems like a real like like the players clearly like him. He is obviously a big reason why Drummond and Yang signed in the offseason. Like, there's there's certain value to having Doc Rivers as your coach and all the stuff that comes with it. Seems like a great guy. Not like the worst coach in the league by any stretch, but I, I just don't know if he's the guy to get you a championship. I I, I think there's reason to seriously doubt that. Um, but we, right. we shall see. Well, fair enough. But, okay, let me just say this. Joel Embiid will probably never win an MVP, and it's not due to his skill because he's obviously skilled enough to be an MVP. But he's seven foot, at least two fifty. If probably, probably more than that. But at least two fifty. Chris, he's just not going to stay healthy. And I know he wants that MVP pad, but honestly, he needs just to start focusing on his long term health, being able to play at a high level as long as possible. And if that just means that he has to miss games here and there so be it it's better for the team in the long term and it's better for him in the long term yeah, like i don't know why the, i feel like this is the sixers not protecting him from himself like that that i the fact I, I didn't hear about this until recently but like if he really could not walk for two days like then he should not have played that next game period and like just no like that's that's negligence on the Sixers right there for letting him play. Like, they yeah. should know better. I mean, Ramona said the quiet part out loud. She said he's only this. I. It's unclear whether she was just speculating or if this was like a solid report. She was on the new ESPN NBA show, NBA Today, right? Um, yeah, I think that's, that's what it's called, yes. She's like, he's playing because Ben Simmons is out and they need one of those two guys on the floor. I don't know if that's exactly the case, but it's clear that Joel wants to be a leader while Ben is out and while they are shorthanded, he's clearly made an effort to be a better leader this season. That's, that's part of his quote unquote development this year. But I I agree. Like if his knee is bothering him, it's early in the season. It's an 82 game marathon. Sit him for a couple of nights even if it means a couple of losses, that, that could bite you in the end. And here's the thing. like This is why you brought in Drummond. Drummond is, for all of his flaws, he still has the skill to be a starting caliber center. Like You bring him in for this exact reason. Yeah, and like I, I get it. Like The Sixers clearly just 
cannot survive with Joel absence right now. Like without Joel, they are going to be lost in a vast and unnavigable ocean. Like, like clearly they need Joel to do anything right now more than ever. Mm. And with the schedule coming out, I can understand why there's some level of like, Hey, we need to get as many wins as we can. Uh, so that the ship doesn't go underwater while Ben is out. I, I get that. I get that he wants to show leadership while Ben is, is working his way back. Um, but, like, you got to think, like, if Embiid is hurt by the end of the season, it doesn't matter if they're the three seed or the eight seed. Um, like, like, if Embiid isn't healthy enough to play at a high level in the playoffs, none of this really matters. The Sixers are trying to win a championship during Embiid's, uh, you know, the the window that they have with Embiid right now. And you, you just got to prioritize his health and his long-term sustainability. Um, like a couple losses now are going to be well worth it if he is a better player for longer when the postseason starts. Um, uh, Doc continues to say this isn't a serious knee injury. I don't think it's like, anything we should be super duper concerned about but if he is truly like not walking or we see you know like the next game 14 points where he just can't move pull him sit him a game there's no reason he should be out there like he just was not helping them in that next game why is he in the court in a thunder like a game against the thunder why is he playing against okc well i think that oh i think maybe because drummond was out I could see that him trying to push it for that case because then you really only have Paul Reed, which I know who you love, but, I, I get you, it, but it, like okay, and so Charles Bassey. Okay, so he only has Derek Favors and Isaiah Roby. It's not like they're running out the greatest front court of all time. Like I, I get it, I get it, I get it. Hedge your bets. But if but if Joel didn't play that game, we wouldn't have seen that magnificent block on Darius Bates. That's true. And frankly, they probably lose because Shea Gilders Alexander's out of his mind. But actually that was a Josh Goody game. That was not a Shea Gilders game. That was a it, Josh Goody and game. And a Josh Goody game. But like yeah. again, a couple losses now is fine if you're prioritizing the long term. I you you it's we've seen this enough with Joel. Like you just don't push him through things that he doesn't need to push through. It, it's not worth it. Was that the same knee that he hurt during the, the last playoff run? I believe it is. Um, so that's not, yeah, that that's concerning. Yeah. Just for sure, even if it was just a bruise. And we're going to talk about just a few thoughts around the NBA right now. Former Sixer sharpshooter J.J. Redick has been hired by ESPN to be an analyst. Chris, are you surprised by this? And How do you think he will do? Um, I'm, I'm not super surprised. Uh, I, he's clearly like good at talking about the game. Uh, we've cited his podcast multiple times on this podcast. He's a good talking head. He is insightful. He's eloquent and well-spoken. Like he, I'm sure he'll do fine. Um, yeah, I mean like good for him is my general response. I'm excited to see what he does. I, probably much prefer him to most of the guys ESPN has talking these days. So you mean like Hendrick Perkins? Uh, yeah. So I, I think it's a good hire. Uh, I, I, I think JJ will do well there. Uh, you know, cool stuff. Yeah. 
I, I'm okay with the hire, but JJ, I'm going to need you to stop talking about Dolph Shares, okay? You guys Dolph are, Shays. Shays, sorry. I am Sixers fan. I, you guys should know something. I am horrible at enunciation. Horrible. If you guys listen to me try to pronounce guests on the show, you've known that I have butchered several of their names in the past. So I am sorry. Um, that being said, JJ, you gotta stop it. Like I get that. Yes, you're right. You probably would, but you can't say that about a legend. You can't. Like I know. I know. Right. Why can't you? You're Why about can't it. you? Because like, first off, even if JJ did beat him in a game, he still wouldn't be on the top seventy-five. Let's let's be clear about that. Because that's that that was the context of why he said he would beat his you know bump it. I'm just gonna say it. JJ I, said he would be, beat his ass. And I think I'm just, you are taking his comment too literally. You're like, like I know that he was partially joking. I mean, I I listened to the clip, but at the JJ same time, played in the era of Dolph Shays with his skill set, he would be considered one of the top 75 players of all time. That was his general, the tone of the joke, so to speak. And he's right. And I, and I get that. I get that. But at the same time, like, uh, let's let's not bring up a former Sixers great. Can we talk about, like, bring, bring up somebody else, anybody else. But, you know. Sure. But also, yeah. like, let's pull up the Dolph Shay highlights and compare them. <laughs> okay, let's not, because that, <laughs> that would be a little painful. You know, I did find out that he apparently played most of his season on with a cast on, so kudos to him but uh yeah no um but i I think overall like you said he's been great on his own podcast he started out with bill simmons's podcast network and then he branched off to his own he's done extremely well there not surprised he's not completely done with the nba game he's definitely has he has the voice he has the charisma he has the knowledge to be a very good uh you know analyst for espn we, of course, wish him nothing but the best. And, hey, you know, if you ever get that, it's JJ. I don't think the Sixers would say no, you know, either as a player to come back out of retirement or, you know, maybe be a coach, you know. But, um, yeah, I think I think that would be fine. But, uh, Chris, there there is one other thing, and we kind of touched on it a little bit last podcast. But, um, Chris, we talked about the rule, new rule change where, you know, six shooters can't really – jump out of you know outside of the shooting motion to try to draw a foul like you can't, you can't jump into a defending defensive player on a jump shot to try to draw the foul they'll either make it a no call or you know you'll get an offensive foul drawn on you um as a result of this rule chris there have been several major developments in regards to free throw numbers and you know scoring percentages with some of the big stars in the game. So do you think this is, you know, how do you think this rule fits in the NBA and do you like it? Uh, yeah, I I think it's a good change. Um, it has certainly taken away some of the more egregious um, calls. I, I think the refs are, have clearly like taken it to heart and are making an effort to, call fewer flops in in favor of the offense. I I think it's great. Um, 
you know, we have a graphic here citing that James Harden, Joel, Devin Booker, Dame Lillard are all like scoring well below their career averages. I I think for the most part, that's just like a cold start for those players. Like the James Harden thing, we've seen some of like the, the outtakes, the highlights, like clearly he is not enjoying the rule change, but his struggles are not because of the rule change. His struggles are because he's just not 100% yet. And it's very clear that he doesn't have the explosion or the shiftiness that we're used to. And he is still working back into game shape. I, I have every confidence that Harden's going to be fine, like by the All-Star break. Damian Lillard isn't going to shoot 30% from the field all year. He'll be fine. Devin Booker, he'll be fine. Joel, he'll be fine. Like, I, I don't think it's really a rule change that is holding these guys back. But I, I do think it's, it's a good change overall. And it is changing how some guys approach the game. So, yeah. I mean, it, it also, like, a lot of those offensive flops and stuff were, like, injury risk situations. Mm-hmm. So we're avoiding that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a positive for sure. Yeah, I certainly think it's a positive. It definitely doesn't take away from, like, the game at all. I think it certainly adds adds back to it because it allows defenders to be a little bit more, you know, aggressive defending. Um, and with Joel in particular, Joel in this past game against the Pistons had 15 free throws, and I believe he had 11 in the game before against the Knicks. So, like, Joel, I mean, yeah, he sometimes he does that, like, when he, like, Swing the swing through where he gets guys like putting their hand out and he'll get a foul called that way, but like that's I don't think that's part of the rule change. And if it is, I don't really see him using it that much this year. But guys like Harden, obviously, guys like Harden, Lillard, Trey Young, it, you can make the list bigger if you wanted to, but like guys like that, like they're yeah, they're gonna see a slight dip in their numbers because they're not getting to the foul line as much, but I mean. They're going to find another way. They're not, these guys are like basketball geniuses. These type of guys, they'll find another way to draw a foul. They can't use that way. So I don't, I, I'm okay with it overall. And I don't think it's, I mean, it might affect their averages slightly. But like you said, guys like Devin Booker, Damian Lillard, and James Harden, all, you know, all of them are having slow starts this season. Harden doesn't look healthy. Booker is coming off the Olympics slash finals appearance. Lillard's coming off the Olympics. Like, well, these guys haven't had much of a break, so maybe their legs are just a little tired too. So keep that in mind as well. And I, I think, Chris, on that note, I think we should go ahead and just close out the pod. Um, before we do that, I want to talk about a couple things. I, okay. I want to first talk about mental real estate. Um, oh, my god! Clearly, I own quite a bit of. Um, no. Um, like, really? No, will make very fair even trades with me in fantasy because they're all scared. You don't make fair trades to begin with. They are with. all fair trades. I make No, they fair. aren't. I've sucked You tried to out. get you tried to trade me who? Kemba Walker and who else? Collusion. I don't remember when I tried to trade you. Okay, that's not collusion. I'm not bringing anybody else into this. This is me and you. <laughs> collusion. No, um <laughs> but also I want to talk about uh the fact that you traded me Kyle Pitts, it was awesome. What That's fine. Kyle Pitts. You, uh, whatever. What cool. That's, I'm glad that he's. I'm glad he's doing well for you. Seven you receptions, tra- 163 yards. I tried to give you another tight end last week. You didn't take it. 
you played a tight end on a bye and you lost by two, Lucas. Well, let's see. Uh, Both of my other tight ends were on IR. Okay. And uh, guys, Dallas Goddard is like the number one pass catcher in the Eagles. Yeah, offense. but you tried to tra- you tried to get me to trade Ezekiel Elliott. You were out no, no, of no. your damn mind. I tried mind. to get you to trade Kareem Hunt, who's going to be on IR for six weeks. I'm okay with waiting on him okay, because he's literally one of the best fantasy backs. I can wait. I'm not going to give you a top 10. I'm not going to give up a top five running back for a top oh, 15 tight end. Top five running back. That's a In fantasy, man. It's you know more like a top 15 running back for a top five tight end. I I think I think you need to get tested because that's that, that tested for something because that, that is splitting the work with another. Yeah, but he's getting all the touch. But but you know what? He's getting all the touchdowns, and yeah, that's what he's matters not a in top fantasy. Five running back. No, he's not, in terms of actual NFL. No, but he's getting all the fantasy, fantasy touchdowns. He's okay. getting all them touchdowns. Anyway, point, point being, is, Kyle Pitts is amazing. And he's the guy you traded me is, just, is is pretty good too. So I'm not complaining. He is pretty good. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I don't you know. know what, Kyle Pitts? I'm great. I'm glad, happy for you. I'm just glad my persistence paid off. This is a big moment for me. I've been on the Kyle Pitts train the whole way. You just my, want him because you're a Falcons fan. My persistent. I am wearing a Jalen Hurts jersey right now. For your information, uh, Big, post a picture on Facebook, or it's not not Facebook, Twitter, or else it's not real. It's real. I pro- I, I I I bought it from uh, a totally legitimate website. Uh, I'm sure it was legitimate. Um, wh- why are you wearing a Hertz jersey anyway? I didn't think you were an Eagles fan. Well, you see, I, I ordered it like a month and a half ago, but it takes a while to ship from this uh, totally legitimate website. But I thought so. you were a Falcons fan. Why are you wearing a Hertz jersey? I'm not. I'm I am an egalitarian fan of multiple birds. I am I am a lover <laughs> of birds. The avian nation is. A big fan. You all saw my Seahawks hat uh, a few weeks ago. That's right. Well, yeah. Well, Look, they didn't see it, but we talked about it. Yeah. I don't really have strong loyalties in football. I'll cheer for the Eagles because I like Philly, and I'll cheer for the Falcons because I'm in Atlanta. I I can go both ways. Uh, in that <laughs> that maybe not your best choice of words there, bud. Oh uh, no, I, I no shame. Nope. Uh, <laughs> But okay. Maybe maybe a Kyle Pitts jersey is is next in line. We'll we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens. But anyway, on that note, <laughs> I, I think it's time for us to close out the pod before Chris's head gets any bigger. Go ahead and play us out, Chris. Yeah. Okay. So to all our listeners, we are recording Thursday night. You will not hear from us again before Halloween. So happy Halloween! I hope you all enjoy your. Uh, special day however you choose to spend it whether you're out partying trick-or-treating sitting at home watching uh, television whatever it is i know i will spend my weekend watching several movies in the movie theater which i Uh, if everyone feels safe go see movies at a movie theater i'm gonna be celebrating my daughter's birthday too she's turning three happy birthday yes Uh, happy birthday sweet girl love you so a big weekend for all of us Happy Halloween to all our followers. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to yet another episode of the podcast. As always, please like, subscribe, follow, give us five stars. 
etc. It really helps us out. You can follow along on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, or listen at our website, thesixersense.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, or Meta now, actually, right? Uh, at yeah, I think Sense. so. Yeah. What is Facebook? Uh, so, at Sense is where you can follow us on, on the social medias. Until next time, happy Halloween. Have a good weekend, everyone. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.